You're listening to the Canes Country Podcast with Brett Finger, Justin Lape, and Kyle Morton. Happy bye week, everybody. And it's episode 23 of the Canes Country Podcast. This one's going to be a fun one because we have a special, special guest. Of course, my name is Brett Finger. I'm joined by Justin Lape and Kyle Morton, but of Rockford fame and Canes Country fame, Peter Dewar is here. Making his second appearance on the show. I don't know about fame, but I, uh, I appreciate the fanfare. <laughs> That's what we do. This has come full circle. Uh, last time we had Peter on, we spoke about Kid Rock. And there's some interesting Kid Rock news today. He's going to be in the NHL All-Star Game. So thank you, Peter. Everywhere you go, Kid He's... Rock goes too. Peter, how are you doing? I'm great. Uh, cold and snowy lately. There's... Uh... Probably about eight inches on the ground, but they clear it off pretty quick. Meanwhile, I hear you guys are about to get, what, two inches and there's a state of emergency or something? There is a state of emergency. Yeah, Don't act that like you're about above right. it. You know how we do things here. No, I miss it dearly, man. I miss it dearly. I will never take it for granted again. How's Rockford been, buddy? Uh, it's such a young team. I mean, the Checkers are, are a young team, and I see a lot of similarities between them and the Ice Hogs here in that they have these guys who are coming out of juniors and – some of them are highly touted prospects. Others are unsigned, you know, undrafted uh, free agents that have signed with the Hawks or with, with Rockford here. And, you know, Highmore is one of those. Highmore wasn't drafted. And he's, uh, I think, tied for third among rookies, tied for second among active rookies uh, in goals in the AHL this year. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's interesting to see kind of where they all come from and how they've adjusted because there are some guys who were drafted and, you know, have that kind of, draft pick pedigree and, and aren't performing as well as, as the guys who, you know, have, have come in and fought tooth and nail to get where they are. And, you know, it, it's, it's taken a little bit of time, but it, they, I've started to figure out that, you know, their, their personalities and, and kind of what makes them all tick. And that's, I don't know, that's been probably my favorite part is, is getting to know the, the players behind the players, if that makes sense. You know, like the, the kind of, um, differ from uh, you know their teammates i don't know it's fun of course peter is working with the rockford ice hogs which is the american hockey league affiliate of the chicago blackhawks most interesting player that you've come in contact with Ooh, that's a good one um i gotta give it to william peltier he is a former division three ncaa hockey player and is quite possibly the happiest person that i've ever met Literally everyone that he comes into contact with, you, they can't not smile. He's just, he's just this happy kind of he's short French Canadian dude, got a big beard, um, <laughs> just an awesome guy to be around. But definitely one of the the glue guys that you hear about in the locker room all the time. But uh, he got his first hat trick on their California trip last weekend. Wow! He came back and we we did a media day on Monday. And he came out and saw all the reporters and everything. He said, "Oh, I missed you guys," in, in this real thick French Canadian accent. As only he can do, but he's uh, he's definitely a character, and there's a lot of them on that team. So that's that's kind of an honor. But yeah, it's it's got to go to him. Look out for that guy <laughs> coming to an NHL roster near you. I feel like he has to be happy going from Division Three all the way to the AHL. I mean, let yeah. alone, that that's a long way, you know. Yeah, I don't know. And it's it wasn't uh, I don't know. It wasn't like a guaranteed thing that he would stay, but. You know, he's, he's a good player. He plays with the kind of uh, determination, work ethic you like to see. And while you know, the, well, the points may not always be there, he's one of the guys that's, that's given his best every night. So I guess 
they like what they see in him and he's sticking around for that and he's I don't know, he's just a great dude to be around so win-win similar to uh zach stortini in charlotte oh. justin is that right oh yes zach stortini is is the player for the charlotte checkers i mean everything goes through him yeah he's with the oilers right he was yep okay big tough guy and i'll never forget one of the last games i covered before i moved up here uh he dropped his gloves in the first four seconds i think it was and he was gone and that was it that was his contribution for the game so yes zach stortini a real all-star speaking of contributions tom dundon's uh purchase of the carolina hurricanes went official last week we missed it by i believe a day uh from recording the podcast, so of course. Off the bat, Dundon gets 61% of the Carolina Hurricanes. That's what he has purchased right now. Uh, in three years, he has an option to purchase the rest from Peter Carmanis, who holds the remaining 39% still. So we had a little time for this to, to settle in a little bit. Uh, thoughts on Tom Dundon so far, what he has made a, a priority upon arriving here uh, as the new owner of the Carolina Hurricanes. Yeah, I think that uh, Dundon purchase, purchasing the Canes obviously has uh, shows a lot of promise for the team's future in Raleigh. But uh, the first thing that kind of stuck out to me about him was his vigor. I mean, he was excited to have this team that holds the longest playoff drought active in the NHL and is you know struggling with attendance and all this stuff. But he is all about it. He's all about building it back up and. I mean, I think that's that's what you want to see. You don't want just some rando with a lot of money coming in and saying, yeah, I just wanted to see what it would be like to own a hockey team. Like, no, he has plans. I mean, you saw it in the, the first game after he purchased the team. They they uh, what, they what moved all the, the merchandise in the eye out onto the concourse because he wanted it to be that way. I mean, they had the, uh, the Fanuary uh, ticket deal going on. I mean, this is stuff that's instantaneous. So, I mean, it, you know, obviously there's long-term goals, but it's, it's good to see some immediate changes too. Um, but I'm, I'm excited to see what he brings to the team. And you know, obviously things over the past three games have not exactly gone well with, you know, Ajo's injury and uh, you know, losing pretty badly to Calgary the other day and then dropping that last second one to Washington. But it's, you know, in, in terms of the long game, I think that he's, he'll, he'll, be a, a big step towards getting this team further up on the rise than they already are. Yeah, those games were pretty traumatizing. Um, that's kind of put a damper on the whole thing for me, especially with the Ajo injury. Um, and then, you know, obviously, we had the big Dundon Day, whatever you want to call it, celebration on the day of the Caps game, and he was there, and we were all happy the team was safe, and then they lose at the last second uh, to a divisional team that they're chasing. And kind of like, it's hard to stay excited uh, given the way the last couple games have gone, but the ticket promotion they're running, I think that's a great idea. Um, I don't know about moving some of the eye outside. I'm sure people will like it. Might as well move it to the parking lot, you know, put it in the, <laughs> yeah. put it in the stands. Make Carter Finley the eye. Up the eye. <laughs> Just make Carter Finley the team store. You have to go to each section for a different piece of merchandise. <laughs> but yeah, um, it'll be a wait and see thing to see how how the end game experience develops. I think that's what's going to be telling, at least in the immediate sense. Um, and then to see if they can get fans coming back. I mean, obviously, a lot of that's going to have to do with whether or not the team comes out of the bye week hot. But yeah, I think I think the team seems to be in, in good hands. Uh, I mean, you don't want to jump to conclusions, but 
uh, it's definitely definitely an exciting time. Yeah, I think you know it's great to have a new owner and more financial security. I guess uh, you know sixty one percent is a big lump sum, and I I think you know it's kind of been <laughs> not really a farewell tour for Carmanos. Uh, I think a lot of fans you know aren't too keen to him, um, especially that like, you can kind of see it uh, in. Dundon's uh, introductory press conference, especially the comment about tickets, where it seemed as if Carmanos was a bit like, well, it's the fans fall for not buying. And then Dundon says, well, it's the product we put on the ice. Ultimately, though, it's the product you put on the ice. Um, it's great to have that financial security. But now Dundon's in a great position. He's been given a young and up and coming team, which he can help m- basically shape or mold um, mm-hmm for future, I guess, his own financial prosperity, but also the prosperity of the team. Um, you're given plenty of good prospects in the system, um, some young pieces you could also move, um, and including some players in their prime that you could even move. Um, so now I, I guess it's just what type is he going to rule with an iron fist or is he going to kind of have um, you know, Ron Francis make moves as he sees? Um, so I, I don't know. Ultimately... Uh, I, I'm excited, um, but it's the product that you put on the the ice for the next few years that you know sees how long that excitement lasts. With regards to that final thing you said, I feel like he's been pretty open about how much he trusts Francis and Peters uh, in in Elliot Freeman's Thirty One Thoughts today on Sportsnet. He said he came in, and when he went in to go meet Bill Peters, his original thoughts were okay, this team isn't making the playoffs. This this guy can't be a very good coach. And he told Elliot Freeman that pretty quickly he changed his tune on that and, and really appreciated Peter's work ethic and, and how he approaches everything. He's really happy with him, apparently. Yeah, I think, I think a lot of the things that he has said so far has really resonated with fans. He says he's not much of a, of a media uh, speech type of person, but... I think he's done pretty well with regards to to getting the fan base excited. He's new to hockey and he and he realizes that. He's been very open about saying, "Look, I don't know much, but Ron Francis has built a really good foundation and I trust him and all that." Same with Bill Peters, like I said. But yeah, the immediate changes from from everything that we've seen uh have been really positive. And I think one thing he did was he he met with the couple that got married ahead of a playoff game. Or was it another year? I thought I think it was a regular season game in 2010. Regular season game? Okay. Yeah, so he went and met with them, a couple that got married seven years ago, I guess. Uh, on the ice, it was officiated by Ron the Ref, which is, uh, which is good. Stormy. <laughs> Stormy, was, Stormy was the ring bearer. It was, it was perfect. And uh, Dundon met with them, and he's given them an opportunity to go on a road trip with the team. So that's cool. Looks like he's excited to get in into the community. I think his personality, at least as an owner, looks really positive, and it's a def- it's definitely a change of pace from what we've seen with Carmanis, who is pretty uh, hands off with regards to his ownership of the team, in the sense that he was never around and he was never really, you know talking to fans or anything. I get that Dundon just came in, so of course he's going to be talking a lot, but just his his attitude and his his personality is definitely a a fresh change 
the Hurricanes are going to need a fresh change as well after the, the week that they put up entering the bye week. Last week's slate of games started with a pretty big win in Washington, an impressive one. Scott Darling was very, very good. Then they came home the next night. Looked like it was going to happen again. Things were looking good. Tom Dundon was cheering in the press box. And then he probably wasn't cheering in the press box at the end of that one as they blew a 3-2 lead late in the third period. And then they followed it up on Sunday with an unfortunate loss to the Calgary Flames, a game that we kind of came to a consensus on last week that they had to win entering the bye week, but they didn't. And even worse is that Sebastian Ajo got hit in the head slash knee by Mark Giordano, and he is out indefinitely with a concussion and a lower body injury. He won't need surgery, which is, I guess, promising, but we still don't know a whole lot about his situation. All we do know is that it did not look very good. So guys, last week of Hurricanes hockey, how are you feeling about it? It we're fucked. <laughs> well. Bit of a roller coaster, wasn't it? I mean, there's uh it started off pretty high with that win and then the announcement with with Dundon and everything, but you know, as we've kind of grown accustomed to with this team, it's it's up and then it's down and then it's up and down and you get your, your hopes and dreams kind of pulled around a little bit, but what what else do we expect at this point, really? I mean, yeah, they're they're getting better, but it's it's still going to be like this sometimes, and they're still going to infuriate you and and drop the uh, the occasional dud like they did against Calgary and Boston and Toronto. A dud, then. Oh, that was bad. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Why? But it's there's a few promising signs here. Um, I mean, obviously, you'd like to see them go into the bye week a little bit better, but maybe it's maybe they need the the mental break. I mean, that's it, it. It could be beneficial. It could be like it was last year, where they came back out of the bye week and still looked like crap. Who knows? I'm choosing to be more optimistic here and uh, hope hope for the best. But what I, happened out of the bye week last year? I believe they dropped uh, some sort of terrible game in Colorado or against Colorado. Oh, yes, 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 well. yes. Um, I just remember them losing to Colorado and thinking, oh, okay, cool. That's uh, great, guys. But, you know, we'll, we'll obviously see what happens here. So the Washington game, the first one was really good. And 55 minutes of that second one was also very good. So if we're if we're keeping track, uh, that's that's like 65% of past week was good kind of so all of the calgary game was bad and the aho game aho injury uh makes it even more bad so that probably accounts for like 45 percent bad so i'm gonna say that it was half good half bad this week and i think that the the bye week comes at a very good time uh considering that not only is aho hurt there's a lot of players injured Derek ryan was missing time uh kruger had missed time before that final game a bunch of players were were catching the flu left and right so i i think we can t- spin this a little bit into a positive maybe um or maybe not and the season's over okay so uh about the aho injury i actually have a hot take courtesy of my grandmother oh. um i was <laughs> riding on my way home and i got a text from her um today she is 82 years old 
Um, and she said, feel so bad about Aho and have a feeling they are done as far as getting into the playoffs. <laughs> Me, but too. You, Me too. Hold on. Hold on. But you never know. That's what she said. Uh. So, um, so now the big question of this podcast that Peter will so kindly answer for me. What now? You make a move or do you call up one of those guys from Charlotte? I could see an argument going either way, but I'm going to say, as is Ron Francis's tradition, stay conservative. Don't get away from your game plan now. Call, call up the guys that you have down there. I mean, Charlotte has been a, one of the better teams in the AHL for the majority of the season and has some very strong players who may very well be NHL ready within by maybe by the end of the season. So I say, you know, you call up those guys, give them a look, see what you find. And who knows? It could be like two years ago, was it, when they traded away Eric Stahl and ended up still making a playoff push, mostly on the back of Jeff Skinner? Yes. It, it you know, stranger things have happened, but it's, it's not worth it to try and make some blockbuster trade to salvage a season that, yeah, I mean, they've, they've played well. They've spent time in a playoff position after the midway point for the first time since what 2014 or something mm-hmm. it's you know it's it's been a good season and they still have a shot so maybe maybe that is the route they go but i would i would say if i was in ron francis's shoes call up guys from charlotte if the right move is there make it but don't try to force anything that's that's gonna put you at risk later on i think that's fair i think it's important to remember that this this process of building up this team has been a long one and it's been a very difficult one so so risking the risking the i guess the health of this rebuild um wouldn't be a good idea if, if that was something that was being considered but i kind of wanted to ask i'm assuming all of you guys saw the giordano hit on aho yes yeah a yes. little bit belated yeah. but yeah i saw the it broadcast only showed it 99 times okay so was it dirty was it a dirty hit? Yeah, it was. I mean, I, I'm, I'm kind of torn on this one to be honest with you. It's, it's difficult for, uh, for a Hurricanes fan to watch that and not see it as a dirty hit because he makes contact with the head, and that's very clear. And that to me immediately jumps out as dirty hit. Then there's the argument of, oh, well, Ajo should keep his head up and. Yeah, there's some weight to that, but that's not an argument for you know whether or not it was a dirty hit. That's kind of a that's kind of circumstantial. It's kind of a, a caveat that doesn't really need to be there. It's it's yes, that's true, but at the same time, he hit him in the head with his shoulder. He also caught him in the knee with his knee, which it's not called very much, but that's a kneeing penalty. You can't do that. That's that's illegal in the National Hockey League and in most forms of hockey that I'm familiar with. So Yes, it's a it's an illegal hit in my head. Did I do I think he had any evil intentions? No. I don't think that he was trying to injure Aho. I think he was trying to lay a hit on a young hot shot forward that was coming through the middle of the ice with his head down. And I think, yeah, he caught him high. And I think that's unfortunate. But I you know, I don't see it as as he's a villain here. I think that he he got carried away with it, and, and it's an illegal hit, but I don't think that he's a, a dirty player for it. Yeah, I think it's important to make the the distinction between or a dirty hit and an illegal hit. 
do I think that Giordano was trying to injure Ajo? No. Um, based on his career and his past, uh, there's no reason to think that he's a dirty player. He's been in the league for a very long time. Um, and he's one of those players, um, looking at top defensemen on each team, Giordano has been a player in Calgary that logs a lot of minutes, spends a lot of time on the ice, and sometimes that's just going to happen. If you spend a lot of time on the ice and you're put in that situation often, then you're going to, you know, be involved in those kind of plays. I think it's kind of inevitable at times. Uh, that being said, it was certainly an illegal hit. How it looked, uh, Giordano quite, he was very aware of what was going on. He was looking at Ajo the whole time. Um, he finished with his shoulder through the head. You know, he was finishing a hit, but he did it through the head, and that's illegal. I don't know if the the, the kneeing part was intentional. Uh, it looked like the more the head contact would be m- more quote-unquote intentional, but yeah, it's a tough one because it was very clearly, in my opinion, a a hit that A, was, was illegal, and B, should have probably been looked at by the league, honestly. They didn't even have a hearing for, for Giordano after that, which was honestly kind of surprising, but, you know, I guess it happens, and you just have to hope that Ajo will be okay, and I think the whole, the whole part of him being injured makes that even worse, you know, makes the whole situation worse, so... For me, I don't think that the knee part was intentional at all. I think it was just kind of a collateral um, aspect of it. Um, yes, I think it was an illegal hit to the head. I've never known Giordano to be a nasty player um, like a Tom Wilson, where it probably could have been labeled more as intentional. Um, but nevertheless, it was an unfortunate hit. Um, and, you know, you wish that maybe he only takes one of those injuries in that case, but now. He's stuck in a weird position where he's battling two. You know, hopefully it's nothing too long term. Hopefully he can heal up fully, regardless of you know the term of it. But luckily, I I noticed that Chip Alexander, the News and Observer, reported that uh, he did not have surgery. Now, will that be the case if the swelling goes down maybe a little bit? Um, I guess we'll have to wait and see and keep the fingers crossed. And with that in mind, um, of course, when a team loses their leading goal scorer and point producer, and they are in the middle of the playoff hunt, which the Carolina Hurricanes are. The first wish, I guess, from the from the fan base usually is, all right, let's go out and make a trade and acquire somebody who can replace his ability. So we're going to have a fun little game here. Uh, ESPN, uh, in particular, Greg Wyshynski, wrote a trade asset ranking piece and he put different players that have been rumored around the league into different tiers. So we're going to read them out, or I'm going to read them out, and you guys are going to tell me whether or not, A, you're interested, and B, it's worth the price. So there's a tier one here, but that tier one includes Ekman, Larson, Pacioretty, and Tavares. Um, I mean, I would like Tavares. Yeah, John Tavares can, can play for the team. <laughs> would you give up? Two high-end players off of a club's roster and a first-round draft pick, as described. For Tavares? Give me two names. Well. Justin Falk, Elias Lindholm in a first. Yes. I would do it for OEL as well. I'm, I'm like, head over heels about OEL. I, think I don't know if I would do that for OEL. I, I would do already have Hannafin and Slavin on the left, but... 
I will do um, you're, you're not going to hear an argument from me on how good of a player OEL is. I, I, I just don't know if he's a fit for the team. I don't think he's a necessity like a Tavares would be. So, yeah. Yeah. If, 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 I would love to have the right to be able to, you know, negotiate a contract with him first. Um, but I don't know. With this Belmont deal still three years away, I just don't know. I think it's been very quiet and, you know, the contract hasn't been signed yet. Yeah, it might turn out to be a Stamco situation where he does end up signing, um, you know, what it was July 1st, I believe. Um, I don't know. I would I wouldn't I wouldn't totally count us out. I don't think he leaves New York, honestly. I, I can't see it. That's just me. Uh, so the tier two portion here, this is where things start to get maybe a little interesting. Uh, Wyshynski writes, um, a top line player in most in most of these cases, um, but it's going to cost you two or maybe three of the following. A high-end young roster player, an elite prospect, and a first-round draft pick. So, let's go through So, the we're names. talking Bean, a first, and a roster player. Sounds about right. Alex Galchenyuk. I would I would definitely give up something for Galchenyuk. Um, I know that there's some off-the-ice issues that were brought up a few months back. I don't know if those are still there. Um, but, yeah, to get a young center and a very versatile player... I mean, you can slot them just about anywhere. I, I would, I would definitely give up some some assets. I agree. I think he is a he's a number one center, and for some reason they're not using him as that. Um, and I think that in the right role, like he would find himself in in Carolina, he could thrive there, and I think the team would be all the better for it. So let's say Rask Rask being in a first for Galchenyuk. Yes. 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 Well, yeah, yeah I, I mean, if you're if I you're agree. getting rid of Rask's contract, then yeah, <laughs> I don't know if Rask would. He's doing better lately. Yeah, I guess. Um, well, yeah, he is. Yeah. But Galchenik is a step forward in such a big way that it's it's well worth it. Oh, I agree. I'm just I'm just I don't think Rask looks as bad of a liability out there as he did. True. Uh, that's fair. That, a while, that's yeah. a long contract, though. That's a lot of term. Well, pay for quality. Is that what they did? I don't think it's that bad of a deal. Oh, and when it was signed, I didn't think it was a bad deal. Um, if he if he is a year in and year out forty point at least type of guy, then it's, then it's fine. It's, a good yeah. it's not a steal. Not it's, it's not a steal. I don't think it's a bad deal. It's fine. We'll see. He can He's not. He's not a playmaker. Yeah, he's, he's made solid. It, yeah. yeah, he can. He has a good shot. He doesn't use it very often though. Tell me if you've heard that before with anyone on this team. Um, <laughs> the next player, this guy doesn't have a problem with that. Mike Hoffman, Ottawa. Absolutely. Well, yep. I mean, I, we've discussed this before. Uh, absolutely, but with the caveat that given the way Bill Peters uses Jeff Skinner, I don't know if I trust him to use Mike Hoffman properly. Mm-hmm. Fair point. Well, what if I counterpointed this and said he's played in Ottawa, where like the most boring team in the league, and he's still done really well. Oh, I think he's great. You're not going to hear an argument from me on that. Yeah. I, I think he, he's awesome. I think he's another. I think he's basically a carbon copy of Skinner in, in a lot of senses. Um, I think he has a much better shot. Not the exact same player. Huh? I think he has a much better shot that he can utilize yeah, from yeah. all Skinner's over the offense. Skinner's a better skater. Hoffman has yeah. a better shot. There's differences, but I, I think they're similar guys Yeah. When, when you look at the net production levels you're getting from them. Mm-hmm. Um, 
would I move Bean Rask in a first for him? I think that's tough. That's tougher. I don't think you do. I don't think you do. If he can play center, for, maybe. It makes more sense for Galchenyuk because it's a it's a center. Yep, it's younger. a young guy, three years younger, good cap hit. Um, I don't know. I, I, I don't know if I'd give that much for Hoffman. I'd give Bean. Was Hoffman an 09 draft? Uh, that would be 10 or 09 or 10. How old is he? 28. Okay, yeah, 09. Wait, wait, wait. 26. Yeah. There's no way he's 20. <laughs> Hoffman? Live podcasting. It's amazing, isn't it? <laughs> you are our best to deliver. Hoffman's 28. Oh, he's 28. Yeah, come on, people. Okay, but what draft? What draft? 09. Damn it. Wait, Hoffman is not 28. He's 26. Yes, he is. He had to have been an overager. Yes, he was. Probably. He had to have been because 09, that was Tavares' year and is Tavares 28? Hang on, this is simple math, but we're not doing it that way. Quick math. <laughs> Tavares is 27. So yeah, he would he would have been a year old, a year old when he was drafted. Man, John Wallace, you Google him. Look at that first Google image suggestion. He looks like 12. Wait, let me see. I mean, that's an old picture, but Mike Hoffman? No, Tavares. Oh, why are you looking at pictures of Tavares? <laughs> I'm dreaming. <laughs> no, I, was yeah. looking, I was looking up what his age is because that was his draft year. The first picture? It's the first, like, it's the, if you Google John Tavares, not under images, but like the first one that pops up on that little sidebar thing. Oh, yeah, you're right. Good for him. But anyway, I mean, my t- picture, but he looks a lot different now. He's a weird looking guy, John Tavares. Anyway, he looks older than he is most of the time. Anyway, there's your analysis on John Tavares's age. Can I talk about Mike Hoffman now? Oh, <laughs> maybe. Yeah, I want Mike Hoffman. I'll, yeah, that's what I wanted to say. Thank you. Evander Kane is next on the list. No, mm-hmm. no, nope. I would do it for a first. I wouldn't do it it's for a, a first. It's a top heavy draft. You guys promised the playoffs, basically. Oh, man, that don't take their word for it. Your top player just went down, so I don't know why you wouldn't take a risk. Only I, because I, I don't like Evander Kane as a person, I say no. Yeah, so if, if, if the antics were gone and it was just the player, I'd say I'd probably be more accepting of it. Yep. But I think he's too unpredictable off the ice from everything know. we hear. It's just there's too much BS surrounding him. Whether it's yeah, I mean, all I mean, legi- whether I mean, it's the sexual assault thing, yeah, the, the, the money thing. Of course, I'm not, I'm not defending that at all. I know that of his antics are no, no, so bad, but um, you just give up a first. I mean, you don't have to, you know, develop him into your core or anything. You could just use him as a rental. You wouldn't do it. I wouldn't trade a first for him as a rental. No, I wouldn't do that. That's me though. If if the Hurricanes were currently higher up in the standings, I would be more uh, likely to agree with you there. But, yeah, I have a hard time seeing a, a first-round pick worth it. Are we going through everybody on this list? or Can I, can I, can I, can I start introducing names? Yeah. We don't have to go. We don't have to we say every to, single name. We, we don't have to, like... <laughs> okay, Sorry. James Reamsdyke. That's a yes to re- do another brother pair in Carolina. Dumb. Michael Grabner is one, is one we have thoughts on. I, I, I love Michael Grabner. I also love Michael Grabner. I think he fills more than one role. Um, he, he replaces, in part, the goal scoring of Sebastian Ajo, and he has been a year-in-and-year-out goal scorer. 
he's one of the fastest players in the league, one of the best skaters. Um, and you know that bad penalty kill the Hurricanes have? Well, Michael Grabner can step in there and use his speed and his ability to kill penalties that he has had over the majority of his career to do so. So he brings you goals, he brings you PK success, and he brings you pace so he can keep up with all the all the boys and girls on the ice. So that's good. Do you guys remember what Ilya Kovalchuk did on the penalty kill for the Devils in 2011-2012? That's no. what Michael Grabner does every year. Score goals. It's insane. Um, I, I, I get to watch, I, or I did get to watch the Rangers a little bit when I was in the New York TV media market, but man, uh, he's 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 a guy who doesn't get enough credit for when that team does well. I mean, currently they played well tonight. Currently in a cold stretch, but uh, I think he I think he scored in the Winter Classic. Probably wrong, but I think he did. Uh, Could have. He just gets it done. He scores goals. Doesn't get any power play time at all. So basically, every goal he gets is even strength or shorthanded, and he gets a lot of them. Um, some bad names on this list. I just want to highlight that the third tier contains the aforementioned Grabner, Robin Leonard, who's a, pr- a pretty good goalie. I think he'd be very good if he was on a better team. James Neal. Uh, and then some, some, some of the other names in this same tier with James Neal, Robin Leonard, Rick Nash, and Michael Grabner. Jack Johnson, Alex Petrovic, who is terrible. I love that one. Uh, Andrew Shaw, Dion Phaneuf, who is making $7 million until the end of the world. Um, yeah, I mean, this is ESPN hockey for you. Um, I mean, to imply, they say that this tier you're giving up either a high-end young roster player, an elite prospect, or a first-round pick. You moving James Bean for Andrew J- James Bean James Bond? <laughs> Are you moving Jake Bean for Andrew Shaw for Dion Phaneuf? I might. I cannot get over Andrew Shaw. Oh my god! I, I think the, the only one that makes sense on this list is maybe a first for Michael Grabner or yeah. a first for James Neal. But James James Neal's not going anywhere with the way Vegas is playing. They're probably going to re-sign him more than anything. I don't think he, they move him. All right, next tier. Ian Cole, no. Josh Georges, no. Kari Lettinen, no. Patrick Maroon, no. Peter Mrazek, maybe. Let's talk about that one. Uh, Cam Ward's contract is going to be up. The team is going to bring him back because they're the Carolina Hurricanes and he's Cam Ward. I mean, am I wrong there? I'm sorry, I don't mean to hog the discussion. <laughs> you definitely are hogging discussion. We have a guest, Kyle. Show some manners, David. I mean, I'm just trying to speed this up because this is a long list. This is a very long list. Do, do any of you disagree with my take on Ian? And we're Cole, stopping to Josh talk about just... Peter Morazic? They're not going to trade for Morazic. No, they're, they're not. They're not. But I think... <laughs> <laughs> All right. David Perron? Vegas yes. isn't trading him. Yes, but yeah. Oh, we have our name. This is a good one. This next one. <laughs> Tomas Placanic. Everybody. All right. So we yes. have to talk about this one. A certain guy. And you know what? I'm just going to name him. Luke Dukak. Ah, oh, name drop. Floated this name out there. Yeah. Um, you know, and, understandable understandable frustration on his part, uh, I guess. For sure. Uh, I don't know what his mental relationship to this team is. But um, wondering about whether or not this is the time for Francis to make a trade. He suggested that Francis call up Marc-Andre Bergevin and offer Noah Hannafin or Justin Falk and Nicolas Waugh or Julian Gauthier for the names he floated were Alex Galchenyuk, Max Pacioretty, and Tomas Plekanec, who has... Who's 35. <laughs> he is 35. Jeez. He has 35 turtlenecks. 
This yeah. is the year you move Noah Hannafin, your young all-star defenseman, because he made two bad plays. You can trade him now. Uh, all-star defenseman Noah Hannafin. For a 35-year-old center with 16 points. And a $6 million cap hit. And, and Julian Gauthier. Or Nick Lawal. Move him, too. He gave us options. Yeah. Or Nick Lawal. Surprised he didn't throw Fogel out there, who had his 19th goal of the season. Him to throw the two French-Canadian prospects the Canes have in a hypothetical trade to Montreal. A lot of imagination there. The next, the next player is actually kind of interesting. Tobias Reeder, Arizona, young guy, pending RFA, had two straight 15 goal seasons and 30 plus points um, over the past two years. This year, not been as good, but Arizona's garbage. If you can get him for cheap, would you do it? Define cheap. Define cheap. I think that, that's where it starts. I'd, I'd take him for a third. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think that's within the realm. Peter, would you? For the right price. Nothing above a third rounder, though. The the only thing that that holds me up on him is I feel like there there are some other players in the in Charlotte that could put up similar production. Yes. Oh, I like this one, Thomas Vanek. Oh God. Trade deadline superstar, and he's still good. Thirty one points in forty four games. He scores the goals. He doesn't play defense, but he gets you some power play success. Again, Ooh. he's he's a rental that I would want them to consider if they were higher up in the mm-hmm. standings mm-hmm. and i would also be more bullish on them making a trade if, if they were in better position yeah but they're in the middle of the playoff hunt they're not in the middle of you know the top tier of contenders so no i don't think it's worth it to add a guy like that or a guy like placanets because it's if you're renting a player for a literally a 50 50 chance which is probably lower now of is making now. the playoffs, it's it's not worth it. That's not the that's not the time that you yeah, we're not looking take at that chance. So, well, in it in a year that you basically stated playoffs are the goal, play anything but the playoffs is a letdown, and you're a fringe team. Don't you think that it would be right to make a move to improve your chances? They get because they they were yes. going to be a fringe wild card team. We knew that going in. We knew they weren't going to have the top three spots in the Metro. It's too tough of a division right now and they're still too young. But yes. wouldn't you wouldn't you make a move like that to prove your chances? Yes, but not for Thomas Vanek. Yeah. That's the move that's the move you make for Galchenyuk or Hoffman. No, you get Vanek and Placanic so you can have a rhyme line. That no. Placanic <laughs> Vanek. Placanic <laughs> Vanek. But don't forget to send Noah Hannafin the other way. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. They can share him. Vancouver and Montreal can share him. And to finish it all off, another uh, trade deadline superstar, Johnny Oduya. Oh, do you want to make that trade? What a guy! Oh, we got. Well, no, you skipped over a very important name. <laughs> the the name to end all names on Cody Hockey Franzen. Twitter. Cody Franzen. Hey. How did that guy clear waivers is a question everybody wondered because he is a three time Norris winner, two time Conn Smythe Trophy winner. And 100 point score. How do you do it? How do you clear? I don't know. Speaking from watching him play three games for the Ice Hogs, uh, that dude's really good and probably deserves to be on an NHL roster. I agree. I agree. Uh, there, yeah, there is a big debate over him between yep. certain segments of hockey Twitter, but I agree that he is very underrated in general. He's good enough. Um, yeah, he's good enough for sure. I think that it's the the management of, of him has, has been interesting for the Hawks because they have players like uh, Jordan Osterley, Gustav Forsling, these young defensemen, and Eric Gustafson, who they called up in in, in place of Franson, 
um, but hasn't played a game since they called him up. Um, it, it's been interesting to see because it they have kind of a logjam of good, viable young defensemen, but also are stuck in the shoes of being the Chicago Blackhawks, having these expectations. So I think that they're kind of trying to make that transition of, okay, we need to get you know younger players in here and we might have to go into a little bit of a mini rebuild. But at the same time, they're trying to kind of keep the same facade of we're still the same team. And I think that's why they got Franzen in the first place, knowing that probably weren't going to have uh, you know the kind of permanent spot for him that they would like to. And I think he went down with injury earlier this year and that kind of played into this. But um, with a different team, being in the minors now, I'm pretty sure that he's able to go up and down or be sent down as the other team pleases. But I think that with another team and another team's system, he's an NHL player if he's not in the same situation that he is currently. So it's one that if the Hurricanes will have a, an injury on the back end, maybe Pesci's out for God knows how long. Well, he's out. We haven't even talked about that. Yeah. Maybe you know, maybe that's a guy you bring in, kind of like a John Michael Lyles, to, to shore it up a little bit. I think Lyles is better. but uh, I miss him. It's I miss John Michael Lyles. You and me both. But I think it could be a move similar to that. I mean, he's he's in the AHL right now, but I don't think he belongs here. We could send a pick to the Avalanche's broadcast team to get Lyles. That's what he's (laughs) doing right now. So, we've talked about the ups and downs of this team and the injuries and even some trade possibilities. But now, we've got a slate of games coming up after this bye week. They start Saturday at Detroit, Sunday at home against the Vegas Golden Knights who are better than we all projected. And then Tuesday, when we will record our next podcast, uh, it will they will be away at Pittsburgh. So, Peter, what are your expectations for this week? I would like to say I expect wins, but not knowing what this team is even going to look like coming out of their bye week, it's, it's hard to make predictions at this point. That said, the game at the Red Wings... They should win that game. I know it's a way. I know it's in Detroit and all that, but it, Detroit is not good. They should win. It's it's simple as that. Well, they're going to be hot and ready after that bye week. Oh, my God. Oh, my goodness. Um, they they should win that game. I feel like you know it's it's not a division rival or anything, but that's it's kind of like what they, they had last year with playing the Avalanche coming out of the bye week, which I am still not 100% sure about, but I'm pretty sure that's what happened. <laughs> It's you know they they have a, an opponent who they should beat, so it's it's up to them to kind of dictate how that goes. Uh, playing the Golden Knights, honestly, I don't know what to tell you about that team anymore. They are so much better than I thought they would be, and the fact that the Hurricanes are the team that has beat them one of four times in Vegas this season is pretty remarkable to me. Even though it wasn't a shootout, it it depends. It it. It could be a good home showing for the Hurricanes, or it could be you know another Sunday afternoon snoozer like it was against Calgary. That one could go either way. Um, personally, I see Vegas taking that one just because they are on a little bit of a rampage. Uh, at the <laughs> Penguins, for whatever reason, I think they have the Penguins' number this year, and I have faith in them to, to win that game. Um, I don't know who flipped the switch in the offseason, but for some reason they have... Two of their best games have come against the Penguins this season. And the last one that was in Pittsburgh, I mean, I don't remember the final score on that. Was it 4 nothing? Mm-hmm. 
I mean, that's yes, that's a remarkable win. And sure, that was during one of the team's hot streaks. But I think I think they have their number, and I think they pull off another win up there. Wow, bold prediction. Um, I'm going to take a win in Detroit. Um, I don't see them as a real threat. I just I don't know. I just I'm feeling lucky on that one. I think they lose to the Golden Knights in regulation. Um, it was a very good game last time. I even stayed up and watched that one. But And then Tuesday against Pittsburgh, I think you're lucky if you get a point out of it. I don't know. I, I feel like we, they've, they've been good against them, and Pittsburgh's heating up a little bit more, as we kind of expected. Um, I don't know. I, take a, I think a regulation loss, so one and two on the week. I'm going to go with 0-3. Oh um, I don't think that's unreasonable. It's not. They just have trouble in Detroit. I mean, yeah, it's not a huge sample size. Uh, I think I think the Wings just have their number. Um, I, I have a little theory about the Canes, wherein I think the Canes are a team that looks fast, but they're not quite as fast as they look sometimes. And I think that gets exposed against fast teams. The Rangers, for example, having the Canes number because you know they have real speed, whereas the Canes have some real speed for sure, but also some perceived speed. I think, uh, and, and you know, Larkin and Athanasiu, they're going to burn you if you're not careful. And uh, same with Vegas. I said that last time, and, and the Canes won, but uh, especially without Pesci to help shut things down, possibly. Um, uh, and then the Penguins, another fast team that are starting to find their legs a little bit. Uh, Beat the Rangers last night pretty pretty convincingly. Won their first game out of the bye week before that. Um, I think it's a bad time to see the Penguins on the schedule because uh, they seem refocused out of their bye week. Um, yeah, I mean, they should beat Detroit. Uh, I don't think Detroit's a better team than the Hurricanes, but just I think I think it's going to be one of those stinkers out of the bye week against uh, a team that's pretty fast and energetic. I'm going to say 1-1-1. One, one, and one. They're going to... They're going to beat Detroit out of the bye week. Scott Darling's going to start, and he's going to play very well. Um, the next night, they're going to lose in a shootout to the Golden Knights. And on Tuesday in Pittsburgh, I'm taking the regulation loss. I like, I'd like. i like to say that they would beat them, but, man, Pittsburgh's been really, really good lately. Ever since, ever since really they got their stuff handed to them by the Hurricanes, they've really started to do better. So... One, one, and one. With that, we have the take of the week. Brett brought it up last week. Um, it is spelled W-E-A-K because sometimes they may not be the best takes. Um, but I thought of this one last week, but you guys had some good conversation. So I decided to save mine for this week. You mean and I am by ready. conversation, do you mean Kyle made a mockery of my take? Yes, <laughs> it was a pretty bad take, and that's why it's called the take of the week. That, no, that turned on you because the Canes blocked like 90 billion shots in Washington the next night, and that's probably why they won, other than Darling playing well. Well, I would have rather them lost. <laughs> <laughs> to prove a point. All right, so my take of the week, and the first response I want is from our wonderful guest, Peter, who took time out of his busy schedule to talk to us. Thank you so much, Peter. All right, here it is. The Canadian national team will finish with a bronze medal at the 2018 Olympics. Peter. Can I question? I have a question. Go ahead. Are you saying that as as a surprise or as a disappointment? As I don't, I'm just factoring in their past success. We, if you if you send NHL players there, 
you know Canada's winning gold. You can keep saying the Swedes. You could say even maybe the Finns if they're if they're lucky. But you know if you send NHL players there, the Canadians win. Um, the problem has always been that other nations' superstars haven't been able to match their superstars. They're a team that's built with four lines of just pure offense, and now you take all of those superstars away. You take out Crosby. You take out McDavid, who is probably going to be there. And now you put in, you know, amateurs. And looking at their roster, it's pretty underwhelming. I really like the Swedish roster. I like the U.S. roster a bit. Um, but I just think it's underwhelming. I think they finish with bronze. I say Sweden takes gold and the U.S. takes silver. I would I would agree with you there. Uh, I think that it, it the, the final podium will, will read something like Sweden, Russia, and one of U.S. or Canada. I, I agree that, that Canada's a bit underwhelming. At the same time, I didn't really know what to expect from the rosters this year because I, I, you know, I, I would try to think about what players I would choose, and then I realized that I didn't know half of the pool that they could choose from. So, you know, I wasn't really sure what to expect from from anyone's roster this year. But I do think that, you know, the the European countries and Russia, they're they're better equipped for the Olympics this year, and I think that uh, that shows in a big way. Yeah, none of you. Peter just mentioned it, but none of you mentioned Russia until until that. Um, I think they're going to be uh, right there for the gold, uh, pulling a lot of pros from the KHL. Um, I like Sweden's roster. I think some of those forwards, Victor Stahlberg is on that roster. Some of those forwards are NHL forwards who who I think strategically decided to to you know take the year off from the league so they could do this tournament. Um, I do I do tend to agree with Justin that I think the U.S.'s roster might be slightly better than Canada's. Um, and one thing I, I do wonder about is if Derek Ryan had never come over to the NHL, uh, how would he factor into this Canadian team? I, I, you got to think he'd be one of the key players. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. It'd, yeah, it'd be interesting to... Sure. I mean, in in this scenario, we don't really know who he is or care about him, but it's interesting to think about, especially given that he's had some level of success in the NHL, whether your personal feelings on him, whether or not he you know, deserves to be getting the minutes he does. He had a yeah. really... I mean, the whole reason he was on the map to come to the NHL was because he won the scoring title in the Swedish League. So I have no doubt that he would be on that Canadian team for sure. Yeah. Well, that was episode 23 of the Canes Country podcast. A special thank you to our wonderful guest, Peter DeWar. Everybody, big hand for him. Thank you, guys. I'm always happy to come on. Thanks for having me. And uh, you can follow all of our stuff at Canes Country on Twitter. Like us on Facebook. There's also a Canes Country Picks Instagram account. We don't mention that much. Um <laughs> Yes, you can follow all, all of our great stuff at canescountry.com as well. Uh, my name is Justin Lape. You can follow me at Lanky Lape on Twitter. And you can follow Peter at... At PDuar18 on Twitter. K underscore Morton9. Um, and then, yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Brett Finger, B-R-E-T-T-F-I-N-G-E-R. Definitely go check out everything that's going on at canescountry. Dot com and definitely go check out Peter. He is up to some very exciting stuff um, covering the Chicago Blackhawks affiliate. Thanks, guys. Always a great read. Thanks for coming on, and you guys have a great week. Bye. Bye.